Welcome to the Talent Talk with Robert Walters podcast, where we speak to business leaders around the globe to bring you the latest trends and insights from the world of work. Hello and welcome to Talent Talks with Robert Walters. I'm Andy McLean, a journalist and podcaster based in Sydney, Australia. And along with an international team from Robert Walters, I've been researching and writing a new guide to hybrid working, which involves a mix of office and on-site working. Now, in this podcast mini-series, we're asking experts to reveal hybrid working strategies to help employers, hiring managers and their employees. In today's episode, we've got a real treat in store for you. We're talking with the author and futurist Mark Pesci. Mark is the host of the Next Billion Seconds podcast series, which explores what you need to know about the future, so you can make the best decisions today. Mark really has his finger on the pulse of a lot of technology and business trends, so we invited him onto Talent Talks to discuss hybrid working, not just its pain points, but also its potential. Here's our conversation. So Mark, in your podcast, The Next Billion Seconds, you've talked about the future of work for several years. It's, it's kind of like a user's guide to the future. But now in the past 18 months or so, wham, COVID-19, pandemic sweeps in. Uh, and so I know you're good at forecasting the future, but I wonder, has anything surprised you? Something did surprise me. And it was the fact that the world effectively turned on a dime in March of 2020. And we went from working in offices to working from home, really, we'll call that now working from anywhere, effectively without missing a beat. And it happened in such a way that, in fact, no one thought about it at the time because we were too busy trying to avoid being infected and the pandemic was raging everywhere in the world. So no one really thought about it. I had some time afterward to think about it. And I went, wait a minute, this is, this is extraordinary. If you turn the clock back 30 years, if COVID had happened in 1991 rather than in 2020 or 2021, we, civilization would have ground to a complete halt because we have built 30 years of infrastructure that allow us to work remotely. And the, the missing piece of this puzzle came to me when I was looking at the way economists have regarded spending in IT. So we have been dumping in several trillion dollars a year, particularly over the last decade. So 2019, around 4 trillion. The number is actually significantly higher in 2020 because of the number of machines that were bought for people to work from anywhere. And economists think, well, if you're investing that kind of money in productivity tools, why has productivity flatlined for the last 20 years, which it had? And the reason is because we had the tools, but didn't know how to use them. And the analogy that I use here is it's as if we were using a stone axe to chop down trees. And then all of a sudden, someone came up and pulled the ripcord on our stone axe, and we realized we actually had a chainsaw. And we started just mowing through the forest. That's kind of what happened in March of last year that was absolutely unpredicted, even though it was completely obvious in retrospect. 
That's interesting, Mark, you know, because uh, for one thing, I don't think, I think few of us have really reflected on our great good fortune that this happened in 2020 and 2021, as opposed to 1990 and 91. Um, but yeah, it could have been a very different story. That's, that's, a, that's a fascinating point. I'm also interested, we've talked about what surprised you, you know, sort of looking back over the past 18 months. Has it changed your expectations around the trajectory of the way we work and, and, and the future in that regard? There's definitely, I think we can think of as the before time and the after time. And in the before time, there was essentially one kind of office worker, which is the person who came in five days a week, worked more or less eight hours a day at a desk. And there were a lot of patterns that we now see were effectively habitually based. We did them because we'd always done them. They are Victorian patterns, right? They come out of this very Victorian idea of office work happening at a factory, which is not quite the same way we're using the word now, but where you have sort of legions of accountants and scriveners sitting at desks in a central facility. Everything we did in an office prior to the pandemic was in some sense a descendant of that form. And all of a sudden, the pandemic throws that rule book out. Now what we see in the peri-pandemic, post-pandemic era, is that the workforce isn't this one monolithic entity of everyone coming in, but it's now broken up into three pieces. We have a group of people, looks like around sort of 30, 35% of all workers who are the folks who really need to be in the office, as in they don't thrive if they're not in the office. And these are people who are generally extroverts. Extroverts thrive on external input, on being around other people. These are people who snuck into the office during the depths of the pandemic. We all know a few people like this because they simply, even if there was no one else there, they kind of needed the hug that the office environment was giving them. All right. They're having trouble now because they aren't getting the kind of stimulation in the office that they used to. But we'll, we'll leave that to one side for a moment. Then there's the 25% who are never going back to the office because it turns out that working from anywhere is now meaning living their best lives, that they have always wanted this and now they've got this and they really aren't going to give that up. That was probably, it was a tiny percentage of the workforce. It was not really accommodated. It was considered sort of beyond the pale for, before this. That's going to be around 25% permanently going forward. And then there's the other 45% who are the hybrid worker. This is effectively a new class of work, a new class of worker. We have no systems, no managerial tools, no policies, and no practices to deal with this. And so this is now creating a huge set of new problems, but also opportunities for businesses that we'll deal with as we exit the pandemic. Now, Mark, I'm an optimist. So you mentioned the word opportunities and my ears pricked up. So tell me, where do you see the biggest opportunities for employers coming out of those different working models you've just described? Well, what, this is going to sound predatory, but actually I hope it gives people ideas because some businesses are really not prepared to grasp the nettle around these three classes of work. And what they really want to do is turn the clock back and bring everyone back into the office every single day. Now, there's a line from World War I, a famous song, how do you keep the boy down on the farm once they've seen gay Paris? You know, once you've seen how things can be, you aren't going to go back to that way. And we already see this tug of war going on across so many fronts with so many businesses right now. What's going to happen is there are going to be certain businesses that are so hidebound that they won't change. And those businesses will start bleeding their best workers to businesses 
that will favor the flexibility that these employees want. We'll shower that flexibility on them. We'll build the systems to support them. And so we'll see a talent migration. And so some of the best companies out there will get the best talent because they're prepared to receive it. And some of the worst companies out there will simply implode because they'll be hollowed out. And that's interesting. I think at Robert Walters, we see the evidence all the time of skill shortages, right? And there's, you know, there's, there's various technical and cyber skills in particular that leap, leap to my mind when I think about skill shortages. What you're saying here is that there's actually an opportunity for employers that do embrace hybrid and enable and empower people to work in a hybrid way to their most, you know, to the, to the maximum potential. Um, those employers actually have a competitive advantage in the jobs market, right? That is already clear. I and mean, we, we know, particularly from data in America, the data in Australia is a little bit more ambiguous, that this is the year of the great quitting, as they're calling it, right? The people are not going back to the same old job in the same old place. And so there is already an enormous talent migration going on. And one of the new determinants of what makes a job offer satisfying is this flexibility element. That wasn't even on the menu in any realistic way pre-pandemic. Now, of course, that's clearly on the menu, and that will be an utter temptation to certain classes of high-performance workers who also treasure high flexibility. What do you say to the employers, and there's many of them out there, who uh, worry that remote working can stifle innovation. You know, we hear this, this talk about serendipitous moments that happen around the water cooler. I'm sure you've read that, almost those exact words in, in many different um, forms over the past few months. What's your response to people that sort of say, look, we're not gonna get, not gonna generate new ideas. We're not gonna be able to collaborate properly if we've got people working all over the place. So, there is some evidence to support the idea that the water cooler serendipity is a figment of our collective imaginations. That said, human interaction is clearly a wellspring of human innovation. And so what we need to do is take a look at the ways that we can create environments for that, that live outside of the old definition of the water cooler. Because at the water cooler, that was essentially accidental. Right. It was true serendipity in that it was the lightning strike. And actually, that's no way to run a business, folks. Right. If you're depending on lightning strikes to illuminate the solutions that your customers need for your business, you are doing it wrong. On the other hand, there are other ways to be able to do team building, team idea sharing, team idea generation, whether that's remote or local or hybrid. And I think we're going to see the, this is one of the great opportunity zones because this is undiscovered country for all of us. So we will be learning new things as we go along. What works? What doesn't work? What can we do? What don't we do? I can already see this in my own practice and in the practices of others. There are meetings that we would prefer to do face-to-face -face, and then meetings we're fine to do online because we know that the nature of the work involved will either favor or doesn't really matter with this sort of thing. So this is kind of how we need to think of it, that it's not this binary, you're either here and coming up with lightning strikes or you're not and everything's dead. It's this gradient of different kinds of experiences that different people because of the way they think and they work will respond to differently in different situations. And right, I think the takeaway from all of that is really that the world we're moving into is all about multiplicities. It's all about options. It's not just about here's your menu, select A or B. 
Absolutely. And you know, that that really tallies with uh, a piece of work that we've done at Robert Walters, where we've done a, a research project, right? And we've looked at uh, all the different trends that are kind of coalescing around hybrid at the moment. And the one of the overriding themes is that, you know, flexibility, if you like, has traditionally always been something that has been asked of employees. We expect you to be flexible. You hear that all the time in job descriptions and, and job specs and that kind of stuff. It's actually now being turned on its head. You know, it's, it's all about employers being able to offer flexibility too, right? Yes, and that is a big ask because at a fundamental level, the managerial class inside of an organization has not been equipped with either the skills or the tools that they need to maintain this kind of flexibility. So things that we learned very quickly in the pandemic is that people who are working remotely, particularly if it's new to them, require more face-to-face time with their managers because otherwise they can overwork, they can burn out, they can lose the sense of the team purpose there. So that's also really important. The same, by the same token, the hybrid worker is actually because of the nature of hybridity being continuously refining or changing or changing the mix. They're engaged in a continuous negotiation with the organization and the manager is the proxy for the organization around what's being done, where things are going, how they fit into this, how they then offer their work through that, all of these different things. And again, managers grew up in a world where these things didn't even exist. They weren't on the menu, so they didn't build the skills for them. So part of what we're seeing now is the place this change actually has to begin at the organizational level is that the manager class itself within the organization from the C-suite on down needs to start building these as core skills for management. Yeah, that's, that, that's interesting, isn't it? So it's, um, it's, it's actually, it's about equipping your managers to manage people remotely and, and through hybrid models. And, and you also talked about flexibility there and talked about, you know, that there's some value still in face-to-face, right? So we're not talking about going 100% remote in all roles. And you talked about the three different categories earlier on, but, you know, one of the other things that came through in the Robert Walters research was that, you know, employees as well as employers still value that face-to-face time. Yeah, we are multimodal beings, right? We have different styles of working. You know, if I'm sitting and writing and I do a lot of writing, I actually probably don't want to be disturbed. I want to be disturbed as little as possible, which means it's great for me to be able to do that if I have quiet space at home or in the home office to do that. If I am, on the other hand, brainstorming, I probably want to be physically present with as many people as possible. If I'm going through a task list, yeah, I probably do that online with people like we're doing the check-in, the daily stand-up, that sort of thing. So you can see that there's a whole range of things that will work better. And again, different people. That, that, that reflects my sort of halfway between being an introvert and extrovert. Other people are almost always going to need face-to-face because that is simply how they drive. And then again, there's the class of people who would prefer to just either have as little interference as possible or be on a screen as possible for their own needs. But again, all of that is carefully balanced against what the organization is also going to ask for. And this is where the manager now needs to, there's a very delicate balancing act here between the needs of the individual to have freedom or flexibility and the needs of the organization to be able to preserve its own goal seeking 
in the midst of all of that flexibility so that, you know, so that products ship, so that customer queries get answered, so that things get sold, so that products get made. All of the stuff that businesses do still has to be accommodated within this radical new flexibility. And again, we come back to that, that boundless opportunity here, because in fact, this is going to call for a massive rethink of almost all industrial and organizational processes. And that's what we'll be doing over the next sort of 20, 30 years. And I'm glad you just started to talk about the next 20 or 30 years because you, you wear many hats, Mark. You're an author, researcher, engineer, teacher, host of the, the Next Billion Seconds podcast. You're also a futurist. And, and, and I'm interested, particularly, I know you've got a real interest and in, a in real specialty in the, in the technology space. Is there any technology that excites you that you can see where it might be headed into that might enable hybrid working or accelerate it or or kind of just make it a much more powerful proposition does anything stand out for you if you think about the technology landscape and where it's heading so we don't have really truly awesome collaboration tools we have collaboration tools that are well suited for office work Right. You know, so Slack sort of being the definition of that Google Docs, there's a couple of other things. And and so we kind of see how and where we have tools that were fit for the old style of working. And it feels like we're well primed for a revolution there. And I don't exactly know what that revolution is going to look like, but I think if you can imagine just to sort of bend everyone's minds, imagine what a mashup of TikTok and PowerPoint and Slack might look like, all right? So it's performative, but it's also presentational, and yet it's also just a standard communication channel that's kind of always there, that's ambient. Feels like there's something sitting in that intersection that could be the way businesses are operating in, say, a decade's time, particularly because there will be a generation of people working who will be very familiar with all of those metaphors. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point. Let, let, let's talk for a moment about professionals. So uh, Robert Walters, uh, obviously working all the time with employers, but also working with candidates, people who are out there seeking new roles and looking to, to develop their careers and plan their careers. And, and I'm interested in any advice that you might have for professionals who are, you know, perhaps they've, they've tasted a bit of the hybrid working environment, maybe their employer is, is, is reticent somewhat. Um, what, what advice would you have for professionals who want to carve out a bit more of a hybrid working arrangement on an ongoing basis? Learn how to be a good negotiator, all right? And a good negotiator means you have high, high EQ. You're really trying to be in empathy and in simpatico with a manager who may not, in fact, be used to this kind of negotiation. And so what you're doing is you're helping guide them through their dance steps around that. It feels like as a baseline skill, that will really help because that will open the door to everything else. I think the other thing is you really have to have a quite an experimental attitude and be willing to accept that some of the experiments you try are not going to work. Right. Some of them will succeed beyond your wildest expectations, but some of them just they are not going to fly. And I think if you can keep both of those in mind when you're trying to do this, then you'll probably find both the willing ear inside the organization, but also the opportunities to be able to chart your own path going forward. That's really interesting. And, you know, if I think about 
some of the concerns that employers typically raise. We talked earlier about innovation, culture crops up, productivity crops up as, as reasons not to embrace hybrid. If you're a professional and you want to embark on, on more hybrid working, as you've suggested, it's about having the, the EQ to see it from the employer's perspective and, and kind of put together a business case that says, here are the ways in which me working in a hybrid arrangement will boost innovation, can contribute to culture, can improve productivity, right? So it's interesting that we're using that word productivity because I feel like at the end of the decade, we're not going to hear that word anymore because the thing, someone dropped this on me a couple of months ago and it's still just blowing my mind, is that we're in this larger transition from output, which is productivity-based, to outcomes, which is team-based, which is goal-based. And so, in fact, what we're going to do is we're going to learn how to structure what the hybrid needs are around a set of outcomes rather than a set of outputs. Outputs are for the paranoid. Outputs are for people who can't trust the workers they've hired. Yeah, and you know what? That's really interesting because when we uh, sort of researched hybrid working in the past few weeks in detail, there was a lot of talk around outputs, outcomes, and managers, you know, uh, knowing the difference and, and, and really and, and focusing on that. So it's really interesting that, that, uh, that you've talked about productivity in that context, Mark. Um, I, I wonder, um, do you have any kind of final reflections in terms of hybrid working for employers and, and hiring managers? Anything, you, if, if, you had a, if you had a room full of them in front of you right now, what would be like your two or three words of advice for them or two key points? I think the first thing I would say is that fortune favors the flexible. So the more that an organization and the policies and the goals of that organization can be tuned to flexibility, can be adaptive, opportunistic even, then the more that that organization is going to be able to thrive across a series of decades, and not just the 2020s, but the 2030s and 2040s, when in fact, the opportunities get bigger, but also so do the demands for flexibility, because there's going to be a lot more, you can call it pressures, but perhaps say a lot more points of connection for the organization and for all of us as individuals. And so in a lot of ways, that flexibility now has to be built into the fundamental operating system of the business. I think so that's the first thing. I think the other thing is double down on mentoring. Mentoring is the fundamental core human skill. If you can build an organization where everyone is learning from everyone else, people are learning the next role that they want to grow into, and the people who have that role are teaching them so that they can grow into the role after that, then you're building not just a strong business, but you're also building strong loyalty so that even if employees leave the organization, they never leave those mentoring connections behind. Beautiful. Yeah, there's all kinds of learnings there in terms of those who are prioritizing retention and also attraction in terms of talent. Absolutely. Those are, those are great tips. Thank you very much, Mark. Ah, it's my pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for your time today, Mark. It's been really enjoyable uh, throwing around hybrid working and where it's heading. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talent Talks with Robert Walters. To read about some of the issues we've discussed and more, download our new guide, The Symptoms of Dysfunction in Hybrid Working, Obstacles and Solutions, from the Robert Walters website, 
There, you'll also find our Leadership Insights series, which includes other webinars, research and advice to support organisations and their leadership teams through this current climate. And lastly, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you check out our other episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, please feel free to subscribe, rate and review. Thanks again for listening and goodbye for now.